and welcome to Excuse My ADHD, a podcast for adults with or who think they may have ADHD. I'm your host, Jeanette, and this is my journey. Hello, and welcome to Excuse My ADHD, episode number four, Landslide. I'm your host, Jeanette, and I am navigating ADHD one distraction at a time. Today's episode is about rejection-sensitive dysphoria, or RSD. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in, and if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Enjoy! the end of the last episode, I touched almost jokingly about doing an episode on RSD. And then John commented on either Instagram or Facebook, I can't remember which one, that he would like to hear more about it. So I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Growing up, I didn't know about ADHD, let alone RSD, OCD, PTSD, interpersonal sensitivity, depression, any of it. But I've come to know what they mean for me pretty well. RSD is a pretty big one. You know, with the emotional regulation issues that ADHD brings, I spent a good bit of my childhood in tears for things that most people don't cry over. I feel rejected when no one is really even rejecting me or criticized when I'm not even really being criticized. William Dodson wrote an article for Attitude Magazine, How ADHD Ignites Rejection-Sensitive Dysphoria. He says, no one likes to be rejected, criticized, or fail. For people with RSD, these universal life experiences are much more severe than for neurotypical individuals. ThriveTalk.com defines it as being characterized by a strong emotional response and a fear of certain situations. Rejection-sensitive dysphoria is a symptom of mental illness that is strongly associated with tension deficit disorder. So I think most people know what rejection means, but then the question is, what does dysphoria mean? ThriveTalk.com goes on to say that, in general, the term dysphoria comes from the Greek word dysphorus, which translates to hard to bear. Therefore, dysphoria simply can be defined as a feeling or state of mind that's hard to bear or uneasy. Um, pretty much that sums it up. Rejection, criticism, failure. These are the life experiences that even a small one can feel devastating. Flooding is another term for the emotions that we can cannot control. It's like instant rage, deep, sudden sadness, being overly excited, you know, just, it goes on. And when it's, I think sometimes within the span of one day, the emotions can run the gamut of emojis in your phone. And no, we're not just snowflakes that need to suck it up and get over it. By the way, I really hate that term snowflake, but what does it even really mean? I mean, snowflakes are beautiful unique. No two are the same. They're fleeting. You know what though? Many of them come together. You get a bunch of snowflakes. What do you get? You get a snowball. You can make a snowman, snow woman, snow family, avalanches. Too much snow shuts the streets down. 
Here in Kentucky, it takes about an inch. In Philly, it takes a lot more than that. Um, snow cancels schools. I've changed my mind. I've argued myself into it. I think I'm totally okay with being called a snowflake now. But I digress. It's just, it isn't something we can control. It isn't something we can just turn off like a light switch. It's not just being dramatic for the sake of being a drama queen, dramatic, whatever you want to call it. It is a neurological and genetic issue. Look it up if you don't believe me. I'll even give you some research links in the show notes. So let's see. If I were, let's see, I'm going to give you some examples. So if I submit a resume for a job, I think that I really want that really fits. I mean, it's like made for me. I don't even get a phone interview or a phone call. It is all of a sudden because I'm not good enough because I did something wrong because something was wrong with my resume. I can't just shrug it off. It doesn't work that way. I know a lot of people put in hundreds of resumes and yeah, you know, you don't always hear back from them and it's not fun, but they move on and they don't, it doesn't hurt. Um, Boyfriends in school. So in high school, I was the one that did the breaking up because I could not bear to be the one broken up with. There didn't even have to be a reason other than this just false strong feeling that I would or was being rejected. I had one boyfriend several years after high school that I wasn't expecting. I was in a relationship when we met, but meeting him helped me get out of a really bad, bad, toxic relationship that I had been in for four years and started, carried on, you know, from high school into college. Anyway, he ended up moving for work and I was a mess. I was a hot mess. I thought, you know, oh, we'll make it work because it's only temporary. It's supposed to be a couple months. And then he would come back and visit. And then one night after his last visit, it was probably about a month after that, I had called to talk to him and this girl answered the phone. And I just remember she had like put the phone down or something and I could hear her say, it's her. And those two words hurt me more than... I think the relationship actually falling apart because those two words were the embodiment of everything that I no longer was. It meant I was no longer loved. I wasn't wanted. I was rejected. I was not enough. And the pain that you feel from these strong emotions, the pain that comes with RSD, it's a physical pain and they come as hard and as fast as a river rapid does. It's like one minute you're on the water, it's calm. And the next thing you know, you're being thrown around and off the raft, being pushed under by the current. You can't breathe. Your chest hurts like someone is squeezing your heart or it feels like you've been punched in the stomach. And if you're listening to this as someone that doesn't have RSD as a symptom, then you're probably thinking, oh yeah, just being dramatic. I mean, even growing up, I always thought that's what it was, is I was just being dramatic. It was one of the symptoms that it always made me wonder, I think, the most, what was wrong with me? What was so broken that this hurt so bad? Because I had friends that would break up with people, and they'd be fine. And they didn't look like they were going through what I was feeling. But then, you know, 
one day I would eventually get over it. Fights with friends, family, my husband. It's the same thing. It's this intense feeling of being rejected, of being unloved. Something as simple as being laughed at over a game of pinochle could set off my emotions. I think it was Thanksgiving one year. At least I think it was. We always got together at my grandmother's house for Thanksgiving, so everything family-related just feels like Thanksgiving. And I had finally agreed to let my family teach me how to play pinochle, because that's the thing that they do. They get together, they play pinochle, but I never really wanted to. I mean, I wanted to, but then I was always afraid to. I was trying to keep up, and one of the first hands I was dealt was, I think, I had a couple of aces in it, and I think, I don't know if you're listening, family, feel free to correct me if you remember, because, you know, my memory's crap. But anyway, I thought that what I did meant we needed a redeal, and said so. And then everyone looked at my cards and started chuckling a little. It was a goof. I mean, it wasn't a, it's just a little simple mistake that anybody learning how to play the game could make. It wasn't anything to really be upset about. It wasn't like, people were hardcore teasing me. It was just, you know, like a little laugh and a little bit of teasing, nothing out of the ordinary. But for me, that was it. I made up my mind. I would never play Pinochle again. I ran into the apartment attached to my grandma's house, to the room I was staying in and cried. I was that upset by something that little and I couldn't control it. My family always thought I was too sensitive, but yeah, in a way they're right. They were wrong to think that It was something I could control. I remember a birthday party for me at my uncle's house and my parents and my uncle setting it up and blowing up balloons and stuff on the deck. And I wasn't allowed out there because it was a surprise. And I was excited and I couldn't wait. And when it was time, the cake was brought out or I was brought to the cake. I can't remember. But everybody was singing. I got to blow out the candles but I couldn't. They were trick candles. You know, the ones that blow out but light right back up. This killed me. Everyone was laughing and it was all in fun, but I felt humiliated. I don't know how old I was, probably somewhere between 7 and 10. But I can still see that in my head. Like, I'm still that little girl watching from inside the house everything that's going on. But it shouldn't have affected me that bad. RSD can be mistaken for borderline personality disorder, anger issues, social phobia, any other mental health issues. And it's hard to explain because it isn't always rational. Because of the shifts in personality, in your mood, in your emotions, you know, there's the borderline personality, your anger that can flip a switch at the drop of a hat, anger issues, being so afraid to make a mistake that you don't want to be around people there's your social phobia. Um, I guess in another example I give that's probably more relatable to people is if you've ever had a job, performance evaluations. I have extreme anxiety about them. And most people have some anxiety. It's normal. No one likes to be criticized. No one likes to be told what they're doing wrong. And I do my job. And I know I do a pretty damn good job at what I do. I know this. People tell me this all the time. But I also know I am not perfect. Far from it. And there's always room for improvement for anybody. And to this point, I have never, knock on wood, had a bad review. Yet every year, 
I have this overwhelming fear of failure. Like I'm going into this meeting to be put on a performance improvement plan or even worse to be let go. It is not in my stomach. I feel like I'm going to throw up and I'm just always afraid I am screwing something up and it's just a matter of time before the bomb goes off and I'm fired or somebody finds out that I'm a fraud, even though I know that I'm not, even though rationally I know that it's not going that way. I mean, even with this podcast, the fear of being rejected, of no one listening, of people thinking that I'm ridiculous is almost enough to make me not want to do it. Luckily or unluckily for you, my desire to help others and not feel alone is stronger than that fear. So something else that comes along with RSD, like there isn't enough already, is people-pleasing. I've spent a good part of my life as a people-pleaser, always trying to be what or who people want or expect of me to the point that, I mean, I don't always know what I really want or who the real me is. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better about this and better about conflict, but it's taken me a really long time and I still have a long way to go. It's a hard habit to break, putting everyone else before yourself, especially when you think that the reason you're doing it is to protect yourself because that's always our first instinct, right? That's one of the most basic instincts is to protect ourselves. And I think the reason that this is so strongly associated with ADHD is because we're constantly being told how we fail, how we disappoint, how we let people down, how we should do this or how we should do that, how much potential we aren't living up to, how much we should know better, and just on and on. And I think in an effort to avoid the intense pain we feel from failing, from disappointing people, from disappointing ourselves, whether it's real or imagined, we give a little bit of ourselves up to try and fit into what we think others want from us to make us happy so we don't hurt, to fit into this box that everybody else thinks we should fit into. That's what I did. That's what I do anyway, sometimes. (sighs) It isn't really... I don't even think it's really about making people happy so much as it is making sure they are not unhappy with us. When I start a new job or position in a different department, I am so overly nice, polite, and professional that I don't even know who I am. And it takes a while for me to work out how people are going to accept me or respond to me and all my quirks. And then little by little... As I get to know people, my real personality will start to come out. And I am two different people completely from the first time I meet somebody to when I've known them a while. And it depends on the person as to how quickly that happens. There are very few people that I meet that I can feel just an instant connection with enough so that I don't feel like I have to apologize for being me and pretend. I have no idea how refreshing that can be. The fear of disappointing someone one more time or getting in trouble for yet another mistake you don't know why you did is so intense sometimes that I feel like I would do anything, 
anything. I mean, it could be something stupid just to avoid it. I mean, how do you set down a lifetime of regrets and disappointments and failure and criticism and just walk away from it? Let me know because I still haven't figured that one out. I know I need someone to work with. I just don't know if I found the right person. I'm looking into various treatments like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and EMDR, which is like eye movement directed response or something like that. So we shall see. And don't worry, I will tell you all about whatever it is that I do. In the meantime, I try really hard to stay even keeled to talk myself through whatever it is I'm feeling rejected from to try and rationalize it so my heart will listen to my head. And it could be something as simple as, you know, somebody not calling me back within the time period I feel like they should call me back or not texting me back or emailing me or being included in a conversation, whatever it is, I try to remind myself that it's not always about me. People aren't always rejecting me. That life happens. I mean, how long does it take you to return a phone call? I know sometimes with ADHD, just returning a phone call can be painful. Just the act of doing it. I have to try and remind myself that. As I don't... And the thing is, I don't want anyone else to feel like all I do is whine and everything is awful. I do feel like there is some good that comes from my RSD. And I think it has given me more compassion and it makes me more empathetic for others. Because I don't ever want anyone else to feel like I do. I have a very strong sense of fairness for the same reason. So I think I told you guys that I'm coaching girls soccer for my daughters. But really, the league that I'm on put us on a boys team because it's supposed to be co-ed. But my eight-player team, all girls, these poor girls have played nothing but all boys all season. And what's even worse is I don't know anything about soccer. I know even less about coaching a team of any sport. I mean, I could probably do okay with baseball just because I've played before. Never played soccer. Been to a game once. It's 90 minutes. The ball goes in the net. I know that. But like offsides and the penalties, I don't know anything about any of that. And luckily with this, you know, with the U8 team, you don't have to. But so now I have... RSD flare-ups constantly because I'm afraid to suck as a coach. Before I even start, I was afraid to suck. And now I'm also adamant that I am going to give all of these girls equal time at every position and equal play throughout the season. Determined to be as fair as possible. I had this whole thing made out for all the games when people were going to take breaks, everything. And what I've learned over the last six weeks is, yeah, that don't work. Mm -mm. Don't work. The weather, if it's too hot, you have to rotate the girls out more. You can't just do it every four quarters. You got to sub because it's, you know, they're wearing themselves out and you want to keep them going. So you got to sub them out. So that completely screws with the lineup. 
Um, I've got girls that refuse to play one position or just can will only want to play another position or girls that want to sit out more than other people. So I've got people that are just dying and dying to go out there, people that are dying to sit down and take a break. You know, they're little. They're six. It's fine. But it screws up my damn roster that my OCD makes me spend hours making and then my other ADHD symptoms start to take over. So during this chaos, I feel like everybody's staring at me and judging me and thinking that I'm a failure. But none of this is really going on. It's just all in my head. But that's what it feels like. Oh, crap. I just turned that into a bad thing. Um, So much for it being a good thing. I mean, but it is. Okay, so being empathetic and having a strong sense of fairness, it's a good thing. I feel like anymore, too many people are only out for themselves and how they can get ahead that we quit being equal and fair. But don't say it. I know. I know you want to. I've heard it my whole life too, so I already know. Life's not fair. Every parent's favorite phrase. And yes, guilty as charged, I say it too. If people just take a moment to think more about being just a little bit more fair or equal, then maybe people would quit being all about me, 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 and more, more, more. And more about everybody as a whole. And with it being in September, 9-11 comes to mind. Look how our country came together when we quit thinking about me, 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 and it became about the events of that day. We came together, we helped others freely, willingly, without reserve. We were stronger on that day than, than the ones that followed at any other time since or a long time before. That's what happens when quits being all about me and more about others okay well now I've taken it and I've turned what was supposed to be a positive twist to RSD into more bad followed by a lecture all right I'm done so no more it's been a long week and I'm a little burned out which yeah I will probably make that an episode and it's also midnight 30 so I'm tired um but anyway Tell me what your experiences are with RSD. Please don't just let me hang out here thinking that I sat here pouring my soul out to find out I am the only one. So hit me up, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my website. You can email me. Just let me know. Promulgations means big word for announcement been read one too many fancy nancy books so now i'm trying to use the big words like her and if you don't know who she is you probably don't have a little girl anyway i don't like the phrase housekeeping announcements just kind of sounds boring so i pulled out the old thesaurus and found a fancy word so i posted on all the social media about the interview i had with roxanne dare hodge from authentic living last week i hope you got a chance to listen i hope you thought it was okay I'm working on some interviews coming up that I'm really excited about. I think I've got three or four at this point, maybe five. So they'll be coming out over the next several weeks to months. One that I'm really super excited about that I will probably put out first, but I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't want to jinx it. A little superstitious. Anyway, for those who don't know, 
October is ADHD Awareness Month. So I want to try and be super active in October. Um, I may post some live videos, do a live chat. I don't know. Let me know if you have any ideas. I just want to try and use the Awareness Month in October to help break down some of the stigma. November is the International Conference on ADHD in Philadelphia. So I hope some of you are going to be there. I'm going and I can't wait. That's about it. Um, I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for listening to Excuse My ADHD. If you like what you hear, don't forget to please subscribe, rate, and leave an awesome review. Show notes and social media links are available at www.excusemyadhd.com. Until next time.